Hello and welcome to episode 28 of Book of Leaves. My name is Cara and I am the host of the show. for tuning in for episode 28 of this podcast. If you are a new listener, you are very welcome. This is a podcast where every episode I interview someone who's doing something good for the planet in some way, environmentally, socially, and we get to know them a little bit and take a leaf from their book to add to our own way of eco-friendly living, which is where the name comes from, Book of Leaves. And if you are a regular listener, you are very welcome back. Thank you so much for being here. Before we get into this week's episode, I just want to highlight that I did think about not releasing an episode this week in light of what's going on in America with the Black Lives Matter movement but because this particular case actual court case is time sensitive the 22nd of June Ireland is taking the government to the Supreme Court over their basically inaction on climate change and because it's so time sensitive I can't not release this particular episode but I do want to take a moment to say that I am standing in solidarity with everyone in America and every member of the black community and I'm doing my bit as a privileged white person to learn and unlearn the habits the bad racist habits that we have adopted in this systemically racist society that the whole world has been built upon and it's been uncomfortable to to learn these things but it's important that we do so I just want to send my love to anyone who has been involved with the protests and I'm standing with you and I am working in in my own time to learn what I can to be actively anti-racist and I want to thank everyone who has been continuing to share useful resources on racism and I have been continuing to do that on my social media platform just as my small following so I would encourage every other white person out there to do the same to to spend this time learning but at the same time climate change is still happening and this is as well the fight for climate justice also encompasses the fight for social justice it's all under the same umbrella of wanting a better future a better world and it's all linked together in a way so this particular episode as I mentioned is about a case a court case that a group of people have taken upon themselves to spend the time on and literally take the Irish government to court over a mitigation plan that they set out in I think 2017. We'll talk about that plan in this episode and what's wrong with it and everything will be linked in the show notes. Whatever platform you're listening on, if you haven't got um, links there, some platforms are different, check out bookofleavespodcast.com and everything the link to the petition will all be linked there. If you are listening to this after the 22nd of June 2020, then stick around after because I will be updating you with what has happened in the Supreme Court. If you would like to support this podcast, I do have a Patreon account, patreon.com forward slash book of leaves, or you can buy me a once off coffee or two on buymeacoffee.com forward slash book of leaves. Any financial help will be much appreciated just to go towards the podcast hosting fee and the website hosting fee. Thank you so much to anyone who has already donated and continues to donate. I really, really appreciate it. And of course, if 
you can't do that, please do just share this episode with a friend, share it around, recommend it by words of mouth. That will also be doing a huge, huge amount of help as well as subscribing and reviewing. Now, this episode is long enough as it is. I'm going to hand you straight over to Edwin Albles, a gentleman from the Netherlands who talked to me all about this case and how we can help and why it's important and then a very hopeful visionary message at the end so I hope you enjoy and I'll catch you after okay Edwin thank you so much for sitting down on this glorious sunny day to have the chats no problem you're very very welcome so for anyone who doesn't know that's listening doesn't know who you are can you just introduce yourself to listeners where you're from what your background is in. My name is Edwin, Edwin Alblas. I'm from the Netherlands and I moved to Dublin three years ago to uh, pursue a PhD in uh, UCD. So it's been very exciting. My PhD is on, the, on nature protection rules. So what I try to find out is um, how to design and create rules that actually work, that people understand and can follow and um, so how to protect nature in the best way. So that's been very exciting and interesting. I've been teaching and uh, that's been cool as well. That's what I've been doing in, in uh, Dublin. And then I think two years ago, a little bit more than two years ago, a professor in UCD starting up the case and um, he asked me if I wanted to help out with the website. So yeah, I, I, I started putting up news on the Climate Case website. From there, I just got more involved with doing events and helping at protests and public talks, all that kind of stuff. Because we, um, we have a couple of spokespersons and I'd be one, one of them. So um, been just getting more and more involved. But it's been really cool to be involved from the start. It's been very exciting. Very good. So you're studying nature and how to protect nature. It sounds lovely. Was that something that you cared about when you were a child as well? Or was there a moment in your life when you were like, this is what I want to do? I never really knew what I still don't know what I actually want to do. So that's always been a, <laughs> Same. <laughs> but a bit tricky. But I um, it, it has always been a very big interest of mine. I would always be um, going uh, past everyone's doors to collect money for uh, whatever uh, dolphins or, or sharks. Sharks were a tough tough one to sell but you know always collecting money for their worldwide uh, nature fund world wildlife fund it is in english sorry okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so i would always collect money for them i was a boy scout as well which involved a lot of outdoors uh, ranging and that kind of stuff which was super fantastic you know i was always very interested in social issues all sorts of social issues and i wanted to do something that would allow me to to help someone or something in some way and uh, that was still quite fake. But then in university, I had this one professor who was super inspiring. And um, he lectured in environmental law, which is quite technical. It was all about yeah, very technical rules that the EU has made between these countries and um, member states and very complex stuff. But he could tell it in such an amazingly you know, engaging way. I was like, wow, that's really cool. I want to know more about that. And I started studying more. I don't know. It also sort of intersected with this period where people were just getting more involved in climate and, uh, and nature yeah. anyways that it was getting more mainstream I mean when I was in high school I didn't even know about climate change or whatever um, no one talked about it we didn't get any lectures on it whatever and now if I look at the climate strikers and all their sometimes they're 16 and they already have done way more than I have done with 10 years I don't know it's just developed from there I always wanted to do something social and I was very since like high school I was always, always very 
loud and had a lot of opinions about a lot of things. I would never do anything though. Um, you know, I was always very angry about how school did things and that people were, you know, um, not being treated well in school and that our teachers weren't doing a good job. And I was always very annoying. But then it was like, maybe I could channel all that energy to do something that is a bit more, um, hopefully a bit more positively. Yeah. Well, it sounds like your heart is definitely in the right place. You're doing so many things to help the environment in different ways, which is amazing in a, on itself but I guess now would probably be the time then to talk about the actual case so the case that you're involved in climate case Ireland was set up by friends of the environment the friends of the Irish environment so can you tell us about that group what they're about so friends of the Irish environment is a group a small quite a small NGO and um, they've been involved from the start of Basically, when we got these environmental rules from the EU into Ireland, uh, they've been involved in trying to make sure that the Irish government actually keeps those rules and implements them properly. So the EU has actually quite ambitious laws. I think the most ambitious in the world for, for nature conservation, for um, protection of habitats, etc. But it's really problematic if you, if you look at how often countries don't do anything with these rules, don't enforce them, don't designate protected areas, all these kind of things. And um, Friends of the Irish Environment has been very involved from the start in trying to make sure that the government actually follows the rules that they've committed themselves to. And if they don't, and they often have started cases, you know, go to the court to enforce those rules, basically, to get the Irish government to keep its promises and keep its laws that it's signed up to do. There was um, an important case in 2017 relating to the uh, airport, Dublin airport. And even though Friends of the Irish Environment lost, the judge still recognized that there's a sort of an unwritten, unenumerated right in the constitution for, uh, for an environment that is you know, in line with our um, human dignity, which was never before recognized. And that's sort of the first, um, that, that's quite a big success. But there's been a lot of important cases that Friends of the Irish Environment has taken and I would definitely recommend just going on their website um, just seeing what they've done it's a, it's a diverse group of people it's a small group of people very you know local grassroots stuff cool so that's the the group of people behind I guess the climate case yeah. so first of all what is this case about what are you trying to get the government to respond to so I'll just probably start at the, the beginning there's this uh, national mitigation plan that mm-hmm. the Irish government adopted in 2017 and the idea of the plan was that it would set Ireland on a on a trajectory on a, on a pathway that would reduce the emissions here so that we can start you know addressing climate change basically because to address okay. climate change the the main thing that we need to do is just you know, emit less greenhouse gases. So that, that national uh, plan was designed to, well, the, the idea was that it would do that. But under the plan, um, the Irish emissions are only growing. They're expected to grow even more over the next 10 years. So we're nowhere on the path of actually reducing our emissions, which is very problematic. So what we're saying in a nutshell is just that the Irish government should not have adopted the plan that is not fit for purpose. That doesn't actually set us on this pathway of reducing emissions. If you look at the, if you look at the plan, you know it does have a loads of gaps. It's not very concrete at all. This is this is my own terminology, but it, if if you read it, there's things like you know we're going to explore if there's renewable energy options and that kind of stuff. And we'd be like, yeah, there are renewable energy options, and this plan should just set out to say things like 
you know, this is what we're going to do. This is the plan. This is this, this, this. The government's own council, uh, Climate Advisory Council, said as well that there's no concrete enough plans proposed there. And um, so that's very problematic, of course. Well, we're not the only ones saying that this plan is not fit for purpose. Sure. So, so, they, so this thing came out and it was just like basically some ideas written on paper to keep people happy maybe like yes our plan is to reduce emissions but there was no yeah. definite action at all yeah no action whatsoever that. so we're saying this is not an adequate plan and we want the government to just start over and write up a plan that will actually set us on a course of reducing emissions with concrete ideas you know with concrete plans and measures that will be implemented we're not saying which ones we're letting you know the scientists and people that that know best and the politicians themselves decide on what measures should be taken that's not our job but we just want there to be measures in place that will actually start reducing will actually allow us to start reducing emissions okay so yeah. what do you want the george to say what's the out the hopeful outcome well so what we've said is that this national mitigation plan uh, by adopting this plan, the government is acting against our human rights, our constitutional rights, um, even against its own Climate uh, Act of 2015, which also stipulated that there needs to be a plan and that plan should set us on a course of reducing emissions. So we're saying this plan clearly does not do that. And by doing, by not putting us on that course, we are exposing ourselves to dangerous climate risks, and huge effects over the next you know, decades and longer. And we're already seeing the effects of that, which is very worrying with droughts and um, you know, extreme weather events. So what we're hoping is that if we win the case, the judge will say, okay, um, we have a plan that's been adopted, but it's not in line with, our, with Ireland's human rights obligations, constitutional rights, etc., that our citizens have. So the government has to go back to the drawing board devise a plan that actually will do the job. Okay. And is there a chance that, because... I have no idea how court systems work. You guys have been heard a couple of times in regards to this case. Is there a chance this could be pushed again to another court or another judge? Or are we going to find out for definite what's finally going to happen on the 22nd of June? Yeah, so... Um... Yeah, I, can, I understand it sounds a bit complex, but what we did is we started out at the high court. So that was just in the four courts here on the, on the, on the keys. Mm. Um, that was in January 2019. We had a, a four-day hearing, which was very cool because um, everyone can just walk in. It was quite a small room, which was surprising because this was definitely a public, you know, big high publicity case. I think that the people in the court knew that as well, that it was going to attract a lot of people. But we were in a very small room. I think it would have like 30 seats, would have had 30 seats probably. But every day there were, you know, 80, 90 people sitting on the floor. There were moms with their kids, dads, uh, young people from school, high school. There was a yeah. delivery back at the door, you know, this guy who normally <laughs> delivers pizzas and then it's just like, hey, in my break, I'm going to go for an hour. But yeah, there was so much public interest, which was really encouraging, really great to see. And um, that was in January 2019. So that's when the case gets heard. You bring up your arguments. We said, you know, this plan is not fit for purpose. It's in breach of our human rights, our constitutional rights. And you explain why you think that is the case. We brought all this uh, evidence into the courtroom as well, which is really interesting. So you have books full of, you know, these are the graphs. This is what's happening. This is what Ireland is emitting. These are the numbers. This is what Ireland is doing and what it's not doing. So you bring all the science into the courtroom and then the judge will have to sort of 
take note of that. Then the other party gets its chance to make its arguments. You know, Ireland said that it's been doing enough, you know, so you get this sort of um, back and forth. Back and forth. Yeah. And that's the hearing that was in January 2019. And then I think okay. it was September that we had our judgment. So that took quite a while. I think it was September. I'm not, I'm not sure. But that was still 2019. And then the judge said that, you know, even though climate change is very serious, very grave, um, the devising of this plan is not something that I can say. That's what the judge said. The devising of this plan, the adoption of the plan, is not something that I can say much about because it's, you know, the politician's job. We have the separation of powers. So the judge should not tell the politicians what to do. And so we lost the case at the first instance. I found that very unsatisfying because basically, if you keep that logic, the government can just keep on making plans that are very incomplete, that are very vague, and they can keep adopting these kind of plans. And they say, well, in the future, we'll make a plan that actually does something, you know? And um, so we hope that in our Supreme Court, which is the next step, and it's actually the final step. So normally you would have a court of appeal between the, uh, you would have the high court, court of appeal, and then the Supreme Court. But we've been allowed to leapfrog the court of appeal because it's such an important case and um, because of the gravity of the topic. So we are now okay. at the top level, which is the Supreme Court. And Climate Case Ireland is actually one of the three cases in the world, climate case in the world, that have gone to the Supreme Court in the country. So there's hundreds of climate cases, but we're one of the three first cases that have gone to the Supreme Court in their own country. Wow. And there basically we'll just ask the same question. Then the government of Ireland will just defend themselves again and we'll see what the Supreme Court says. We're just hoping okay. that at least there will be, a, we're hoping that the Supreme Court will be a bit more um, actually looking at the substance of the plan itself. In the high court, the judge would say, you know, if you, um, Ireland is, seems to be doing enough, even if you read the national mitigation plan, the Taoiseach says that, you know, we're already doing a lot. So therefore we can conclude that Ireland is already doing a lot. Like, yeah, that's not enough. We want to look at the substance of this plan. And, you know, it does not align with climate science. It does not set us on a course of reducing emissions. If even the, the government's own Climate Advisory Council say that we're actually on a trajectory of increasing our emissions 10% compared to 1990. By 2020, we'll have increased 10 or 11, 12%. And then we're expecting expected to further increase emissions even more by 2030. So we're definitely not on the right track and um, that's very problematic. So we need a plan with concrete measures and uh, instruments to actually set us on that path. And have there been examples you mentioned were one of three countries that have taken their government to the Supreme Court. So there are other cases like this going on across the world what kind of success stories do you do you know of if any yeah so there's definitely success stories and i think the biggest one is probably the urgenda case which is a dutch case so urgenda is an ngo just like friends of the irish environment is an ngo non-governmental organization uh agenda stands for urgent agenda and what they want is just you know uh, their their whole reason of existing is just they want to move towards sustainability faster. They want to help governments, companies, etc., to move towards a sustainable future faster. So it's a really cool organization. And they, um, in 2015, launched a case against the Dutch government for not reducing uh, its emissions fast enough. And they said that by doing that, they're actually acting unlawfully against its citizens. So um, that was in 2015, and the uh, agenda case won which was very unprecedented. Everyone's like, what, this, did this actually happen? Um, like I said, never been 
something like that had never been seen before that a judge would actually say, yeah, you know, the government should protect its citizens. They should address climate change. Uh, that had never happened before. So that was one of our key inspirations for starting this case as well. Like, oh, so it's possible, you know. But then the Dutch government appealed the decision and then the appeal court again said, yeah, the Dutch government has an obligation to cut its emissions. They have to start cutting their emissions. And then the Dutch government was like, well, we might as well try to appeal again the final time as it's possible anyways. So they went to the Supreme Court in the Netherlands. And then in the, I think it was December last year, the Supreme Court said, no, the Dutch government, you know, the Dutch government, you have to start <laughs> reducing your emissions. And um, they gave a specific percentage of emissions targets, basically a target that they had to meet by the end of 2020. So far, it seemed like the Dutch government was not really going to make it, but uh, they have been ramping up their ambitions a bit. And um, it seems that the government will actually meet, well, possibly meet its, its obligation that the judge imposed upon it. But that was very powerful because this was the first time where a judge actually said, no, government, you have an obligation to protect your citizens from dangerous climate change. The best way to do that is to cut your emissions. So start doing that. And, That's amazing. Um, all of these countries like Ireland and the Netherlands have recognized that climate change is a huge problem. All of them have said, especially us, you know, um, well-developed and rich countries have to do more than, you know, countries that are less developed. Yeah. Uh, we have a higher responsibility because historically we've emitted way more than developing countries. If you look at, you know, the total emissions over time since our industrial revolution. So we have to start reducing emissions. All of these governments have said that, like, since 1992, basically. But none of them have actually done anything. Yeah, they're not actually following it up with with enough action. Yeah. So at some point, you know, you can protest. And I think protest is a very powerful method. And you can write your politicians and you you can do anything. But we were like, well, you know, you have these legal obligations. So we might as well take you to court for it. 100%. That's amazing. And hopefully we get a judge who is, I don't know what the right word is, but the (laughs) right, I don't know, the right judge. Someone who liked the judge that they had in the Netherlands, you know, that's, that sees this for the danger that it is. But also, like you said earlier about the judge that you guys had in September or October, not being able to tell the government what plans to make or you know someone needs yeah. to hold the government accountable when they yeah. make mistakes it's made, they're made up of people and people make mistakes sometimes yeah. so yeah you know we're, we've got we're our... not telling them what kind of plan there should be you know we're not asking the judge to say for instance like you know we have to go 100 percent wind energy we have to do 100 percent solar or whatever we we don't ask the judge to say any of that stuff we just asked the judge to say that this plan is not lawful because it's not meeting you know the legal obligations that are there this country is ridiculously bad for when it comes to the eu making laws that we just pay the fine as opposed to actually enacting them so many so many so many levels it's across so many industries because the effort of making sure if it's something in regards to the size of a caged hen's cage being marginally increased it's just not it's not enforced they're not bothered checking it and then when it comes to bigger laws like this it's just the effort they'll pay they'll literally pay the fine so it's costing us money as well isn't it if we if we don't reduce our emissions enough on top of the climate change disaster 
the EU is also going to fi- fine us for for not reaching the necessary targets. So yeah. while what needs to happen will probably take some money and investing in, you know, right the right subsidies and incentives for people to live more eco-friendly and whatnot, it's going to yeah. cost us way more down the line if we don't do it now. And sometimes yeah. you just want to hit them over the head with this and go why yeah, why don't you just uh, get it it can be really frustrating it's so frustrating i read the you know the the government's budgetary committee's report uh, it's from 2016 and it estimated by 2020 the the fines for for not reducing emissions enough and also for not switching to renewables enough because then the energy mix is still not renewable enough in ireland so um for both those things the eu can uh, give fines because you're not meeting the targets that you know these countries together agreed upon so i think that for 2020 it might be you know 300 million but f- towards 2030 it's been estimated by you know the exchequer's um, own budgetary committee to be between two and six billion so i mean if you know that you're going to have to pay two to six billion you might as well just use it to invest in things that will make the change and one thing that is important to say is that the money that goes to the EU, it is uh, supposed to also go to climate and environmental projects. So there is the idea that this money will actually go towards what it's supposed to go to. Okay. But I mean, it would be great if you could just do like spend it in consultation with your own citizens. How are we going to do this? You know, local energy cycle lanes, bicycle lanes, get some bicycle lanes up, that kind of stuff. That would be great to spend your money on that instead of having to pay it as a fine. Hundred percent, and I think a lot of people listening to this, especially activists, can can relate. Like, there's relatively simple solutions that just make sense, but people just have their priorities. Politicians' priorities are mixed up, and and then nothing happens that that need that really does need to happen like this we're not you know protesting for the crack i think we'd all much rather be enjoying our time than taking to the streets or taking the government to court you know so this is probably as well time consuming for all of you guys but i can't imagine it's been free either i know you're an ngo like how have you been raising the funds to to get this case heard uh well so we um, want to say George Soros, you know, that's what they always, uh, Russia has been paying us to do this. No, uh, just kidding. That's what you always get with Twitter, all these uh, very, <laughs> <laughs> very weird, weird, uh, com- you know, these um, conspiracy theories. No, we, we yeah. basically have supporters. We have a website where you can donate. And um, so we've been asking people to donate to help support us, like a crowdfunding, you know, a legal crowdfunding. Then yeah. you know, also solicitors and barristers are doing this in a pro bono basis, which means that they only get paid if they win. And there's some, yeah, there's some protecting mechanisms for NGOs taking cases in terms of the cost. Okay. Um, so that's one way people can help out then, I, I guess, as well as by donating. I know you also yeah. have a petition. Are you taking that? to the court is that linked in with it with this case yeah well it doesn't of course doesn't really have any binding uh, legal power or whatever but i think it's a very powerful thing to show that you know almost twenty thousand people have signed it by now and we're hoping that it will be more by the time that we actually go to court but it's something that you can show the politicians you know these are like twenty thousand people that have signed that this is a case that is also taken in their name so it's not just you know friends of the irish environment taking this case it's not just me and uh, some friends or whatever it's, you know, 20,000 Irish citizens that feel like 
the government's not doing enough. I think that's a very powerful thing to show that this is not just a couple of hippies or whatever. This is, you know, normal Irish citizens. Very yeah. wide, very widely carried message, basically. Yeah. Well, I'll link that petition in the show notes anyway, and hopefully we'll get a few more signatures before the Supreme Court date yeah. for twenty second of super. June. Yeah. Um, fingers crossed. So before we get on to the other kind of events and workshops that you guys also hold, it's not just uh, legal battles all the time. What happens <laughs> if it doesn't go our way? What happens if we lose the case? Have you got a, have you got your own plan kind of set mm. or what's the story? So there's always a chance that you don't win. And the chance is actually quite big. I mean, tobacco companies have been uh, taken to the courts for you know decades before one judge actually said maybe these guys should be held accountable for selling these products and making people sick and addicted to tobacco so that took decades and i think that the climate case in the netherlands sort of you know showed that it's possible but there's so many cases that fail as well and um, so we shouldn't see this as something that's like go 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 it's a long-term battle and we might lose a couple of times, we might win a couple of times. But I think the most important thing is also here that we are trying to change the narrative. So before, and that's been very frustrating for me as well, that's the same in, in the Netherlands. Governments would always say, you know, if you're so concerned about climate change, just turn off the lights or take a bit less showers, um, you know, stand in the rain and make yourself clean there. Yeah, kind put, of put it on the, the citizen, put yeah. it on them. But we're like, you know, and you see it now with the corona crisis well we're doing all these things you know we're not traveling anymore we're buying way less etc and it's not as if we fix the problem or whatever there's still way too much emissions going up in the air we're just trying to change the narrative and you know that a government has a responsibility to protect its citizens that's what it's there for you know it's not there to manage a company or whatever make sure that the country gets a profit every year that's not the job of a government that's not what they're elected for. It's not a company. We're just hoping to change the narrative towards something that is like goes towards the bigger picture more. Instead of, you know, turn off your light bulbs and all. That's great stuff. But we want to make big changes. We want to see big changes, structural changes. So we're hoping that by taking this case, people will see like, oh, wow, this is really... So there are there, there is such a thing as human rights obligations. And human rights obligations are connected to the environment, to climate. You know, that we just start framing this in a different way and understanding this for the enormous gigantic and intersectional problem that it is that is something that you can achieve and that we're i think and i hope contributing towards um even uh, without you, winning yeah no you definitely are like win or lose you have brought something you've brought this to the supreme court which is is huge and you've gotten yeah. the, you'll have gotten the attention of people not everyone in the country but but that's the whole thing of of hopefully like dialogue you know probably people... after this podcast after this podcast probably everyone in the country <laughs> <laughs> i wish <laughs> but you know people talking to their friends and family yeah. and spreading the word and just kind of knowing that it is possible to do something like this and that we do actually have to hold the government accountable so whatever this this one judge says doesn't mean that you know doesn't make everything you've done worthless like it's it's absolutely making a difference and thank you so much for putting the time in and for all you guys for 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 doing this it's it is yeah. truly amazing and thanks 
it is fighting for a big change but that's what what we need because these as much as all these individual choices like saving water and recycling need to happen they need to happen in tandem with with system changes is what you guys are fighting for so hopefully the government will listen yeah and i think Um, one important lesson that sort of that i learned that connects well with that is you know when we when we lost in that day in september you know we uh I was really sad. Um, but then the day after, this was on a Thursday, and the day after, on the Friday, we had this gigantic um, climate march in Dublin and across the country and across the globe. And that was so powerful. And there was all these young people uh, and old people, but any kind of people, but so powerful. And I remember, you know, you feel, you feel sort of like this is what we're doing it for. It's not just this legal action it's all of these people and everyone speaking up and everyone trying to work towards something positive and work towards positive change and that helped so much for me that it's all about the bigger picture yeah i don't know that was very important for me and that helped to sort of carry that loss and then a few weeks yeah. after we're like well we're gonna just appeal the decision and continue fighting but just yeah that for me helped to see sort of the bigger picture that we're not alone in this and yeah um, yeah it's uh, you might have lost the battle but not the war as the saying goes yeah but that was actually something i was going to ask you about is you know being an activist and constantly fighting for something that should just be common common sense at this stage and you get knocked back how do you deal with that mentally because it can really it can weigh on you i've had moments and i know a lot of people listening to this podcast have had moments where it just feels like it's too much and you kind of wish you didn't care sometimes because it because it hurts to care so how do you deal with that personally or how do you know that your your friends or or Mm. partners in the case deal with it yeah it is a tricky one because you're you are fighting for things that you feel should be self-evident and sometimes people when I talk about this stuff with, with, with friends or family or whatever, they treat it like it's a, it's a passion project, you know, it's like my hobby. And it's like, this is not my hobby. My hobby is playing guitar or, uh, you know, going out with friends. That's my hobby. It's not going to the court to say, government, please start getting your act together. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, doing uh, talks and showing these graphs about how bad it's all looking. That's not my hobby. That's not what I'm doing for fun. Well, sometimes it feels like, you know, um, this person, this friend, likes rugby and i like the climate it's like no we are all part of this system together and we cannot say that you're not a part of it you cannot alienate yourself from the living world and future here i think that's you know things like the the space the space race now with you know tesla and, uh, and amazon and um i was watching this video of jeff bezos uh, of amazon you know the ceo Mm-hmm. And saying that his life has purpose because he's building his rocket and trying to help civilization go further it's like I feel like, you know, you're actively destroying the planet for profit so that you can build a rocket to escape the planet. That was, you know, beautiful. It was perfect. We have such an amazing thing here and you're actively destroying it so that you can put money into building this rocket so that you can escape this planet. Like if you would just skip all these previous steps, you wouldn't have to build the rocket either. So yeah. that can be difficult sometimes, but I think that we're all fighting or, or a lot of us are fighting for things that you feel should be self-evident like you know the protest in the in the u.s now at the moment uh george floyd i mean that should be self-evident that you don't get killed by a policeman that's heartbreaking um Mm -hmm. but i think that's that's sort of the essence of our human uh, just what we're trying to do here is always trying to make things better and improve and 
in, in each way that you can try to make some sort of a uh, positive impact. And for me, this is the thing I care just resonates with me the most, I guess, because yeah. I feel that it's such a all encompassing thing um, that goes through all these other things as well, like housing and um, just living quality and taking care of our neighbors across the planet, that kind of stuff. I sometimes get sad, especially if I look at the graph, you know, you see this report and, the, and the, this video that says, you know, we're all going to die and we're all going to, you know, the, the blah, blah, you know, all this stuff. And ice caps are melting now at this kind of rate. And this is now how fast species are dying. And it's super depressing. But usually what I try to do is just focus on, and this sounds very cheesy, but I just try to focus on you know, the positive stuff, the small things and work from there. I don't think that I get the most productive if, if I'm only looking at the depressing stuff. It's, it's the same as when you're crossing the street and the car is almost hitting you, right? That's not when I get the most creative ideas, usually. That's yeah. when you either jump or, <laughs> or you get hit. And yeah. um, for, so for me, I don't think that is usually helpful. I know this situation is very bad and is very grave. And that's, um, but I just park it there. You know, I know this is there. But then how do we move on from, from there, you know, knowing that that is the case? How can we go towards visionary and creative ideas, talk to each other more and get everyone, you know, everyone, what is your talents and find how to best connect people with each other. That kind of stuff I think is much important than keeping on, yeah, focusing on, how bad stuff is and how negative stuff is more yeah. focusing on how we can make it better. I think at least for yeah. me, it works better. Yeah. That I would find that as well, that to look, always look for the, the positive things, because if I just focused and just read news articles and science, even though it's important to know the facts and know what's happening, yeah. it can be too much sometimes. And you're now used to the movement or the cause if you, you yourself are not okay yeah. like you know mind yourself first and yeah. then and then come help us when you can and if you need a break like t t take a break because sometimes you need to do that turn off your yeah. phone and just look at cat videos on your computer for yeah exactly <laughs> so it's little yeah. things like that I guess but yeah no thank you um for sharing that with us and you mentioned as well that I I don't know if it's uh is it friends of the Irish environment that host events and workshops like upcycling and that? Um so from the moment that we started the case, right, we wanted to make this a movement that can be carried by, by a lot of people. And I think that just legal stuff isn't everyone's cup of tea, understandably. And uh, thankfully, not everyone is <laughs> 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 so right. but what I was seeing sometimes if like I did a lot of talks about the case at the universities and that kind of stuff and sometimes I just feel that this the message that you're trying to sort of convey um, might be better to sort of try and convey it in different ways because different people listen and and you know appreciate different mediums so so one thing that we did quite early on is organize an event called Message to the Earth we brought together different artists that were working on this team, you know, photographer and textile designer and a lot of interesting people that would you know, exhibit in this very nice place called the family stables. It's, um, you know, part of the cafe, but it's a, it's a nice space next door, basically. The different speakers we had, uh, like um, Jenny McNally of McNally Farms. They have an organic farm in Dublin North. She is uh, not the person that you would usually see on in the foreground, you know, she wouldn't get the she wouldn't look for the spotlight in any way. Um, but we just asked her, like, can you please tell us your story of why you care and what is 
your personal connection with the plant? What is your message to the earth? Um, we had other people like Anya Murray, you know, of EcoEye and um, Nature Files, and just a couple of others, a cook that forages his own food, that kind of stuff. We had a, just a nice panel of speakers. Yeah. And we just asked them, like, don't, you know, we don't have to look at the graphs tonight. We know that, you know, we know that it's very serious. We parked that there. We just want to hear about personal connections because I think that you can only make changes if you feel personally. So Princess Jenny was explaining Jenny the farmer. She was explaining that for her, what makes climate change a very, you know, what, what makes it very real for her is that it's now easier to grow food in winter than it is in summer. And that's very odd, of course, because normally winter is a very bad period to grow food because it's too cold and, you know, things die and there's no sun, especially mm. here in Ireland. <laughs> but in summer now, it's been, the weather's just been so unpredictable. So there's droughts for weeks and then it rains, like there's a torrential, you know, crazy rains. And, so it's just impossible. It's just getting very difficult for me to grow food. And she's been doing it for 30 years. She has such a knowledge of the land that she works on. And then someone else, you know, the cook that for us, own food was just explaining how beautiful and how fun it is to go out in nature and find your own food and um, just get more in touch with your actual environment. And so we had different speakers. We had music by Annemieke, who is amazing. I think that just sort of at least for me, it was very helpful because on a Friday night, you don't want to see the graphs again. You're just like, it's my weekend now as well. And there's different ways that you can sort of get information through. And yeah, you know, it was beautiful. There were like 80, 90 people. And we just, you know, you're, you're in the room together and you listen to all these stories. And it's so it's normal people. It's not Oprah on the screen or whatever, you know. Yeah, no, d definitely. Like, it's so nice to know people who care about the same things and surround yeah. yourself with people who care about the same things as yeah. you. And then they're there and they kind of know what you're going through and then in an empathy level kind of uh, way as well so and those talks they sound great like it's nice to just have a good evening and chill out and meet people yeah. so that yeah. sounds really nice and it was very powerful as well even these small kind of things that you hear like I think that sometimes it can be much more effective to hear things like you know Jenny saying that, that how bad the droughts are for her you know you see these pictures on National Geographic of an eye, a polar bear I think for people that's very hard to then become active and like oh I have to save that polar bear in an area that I don't know anything about and stuff you hear like this farmer who lives 10k away from me is not able anymore to produce food because of how we messed our climate up then it becomes very personal and then it's I think much easier to act and do stuff yeah definitely that's a really good point um people are much more likely to act on what's close to them for yeah. sure definitely but like you said we're going to be one of the last kind of countries that get its severe impacts there's others that are already there's mass migration going on already because of climate change in more developing countries and we just don't know about it that much because it's not what takes up the news you know yeah. so it is really important that hopefully this case is is uh goes in your favor and the government puts action to like actually enacts things that will reduce our emissions to at least eight percent every year you know we we just have we have to do our bit like we're we're doing yeah. a, we're polluting a lot for a tiny island and some people have this yeah but what about china kind of <laughs> argument china is only polluting loads because the western countries are buying from them constantly yeah. so you know we're all in this together and we all need to do our part so geez i really hope it goes your way on yeah. the 22nd of june yeah um, that one thing that is just important to stress there as well that any of these measures 
like we're always talking about doing less, 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 and people think like, oh, so I'm not allowed to travel anymore, or I'm not allowed to do this anymore, I'm not to do, allowed to do this anymore. But a lot of these measures, like uh, my apartment here in Dublin, if that would be better insulated, you know, not only would it be better for the climate because there'd be less emissions, but also my energy bills would be lower. I wouldn't be as cold in summer. Um, my windows wouldn't be as moldy as they sometimes get. I mean, air quality, Dublin's air quality is pretty bad, actually, and you can feel it. If we reduce our emissions, it would be better for our health and people could live longer with their families, be happier. And, um, you know, so it's just about building a better future. And I think that's so problematic when we always try to frame it in, in terms of, you know, I'm not allowed to do this anymore. and then. China is doing it, so why are we not allowed to do it? And definitely some things we have to do less, like weekends to Barcelona in a 20-euro um, flight. You know, that is not sustainable yeah. in any way. 99% are positive changes. Lower energy bills, cleaner air, more green space, bicycle lanes, safer spaces outside, less cars. I mean, how can you see that as negative? Yeah, free public transport, all that kind of stuff. And I think in the pandemic that we're in now as well, people are kind of realizing what what they're really missing and yeah. a lot of that is human contact you know hanging out with your friends maybe like music gigs like art and and that kind of thing people are missing yeah the most the real things, yeah. like you think you realize what really matters and that's the biggest thing about uh, about this movement and fighting uh, for action on climate change is the community that you build while you're while you're going and this pandemic we've seen a huge community spirit you know helping your neighbors and mm. all this kind of stuff and that is the future that we all we all want is that it's that same spirit and that same vision if you have more respect or you're more aware of where things come from that you consume or that you wear you appreciate them more yeah you enjoy them more your happiness levels go up there's there's yeah there's so many benefits and you're so right we don't talk about those enough so i'm glad you brought that up (laughs) i think that often you know these kind of narratives like so i have to sell my car and all that stuff i think that we have to look at the bigger picture and see things like be a bit more visionary i think that would be good for everyone to um to do that like like there's a lot of people here that live in very uh crappy apartments and you know a lot of, not a lot of space and poor living conditions honestly i don't know the the reason that so many people live in these places and even you know pay way too much is because the jobs are here but now you see that you can actually work from home so maybe we can you know rebuild communities across the country again if we start rebuilding communities then we can get better, better public transport schools and you know will also be much more affordable if there's more people carrying that sort of financial weight we often only think about what it's like now and see like yeah we can never change that because people it's just the way it is but it's not just the way it is you can see that you know it took three months to to see that these jobs can a lot of jobs can actually be done from home most of the time there was a person on twitter that i saw it's really cool he had a he just had one photo of how it is now you know with all these cars then he had another photo an artistic impression he did it with photoshop or whatever um of what it could look like if you would get out the cars and they would put like you know little terraces outside and people could sit and people could have a drink and people could walk and it's like that takes maybe i don't know maybe it might have taken him an hour to do that on the computer and then you can see what it could be like and like that is way better that is a hundred yeah i think i saw this actually it's really it's a street full of loads of greenery and people sitting outside yeah that is a billion times better you just have to imagine it that things don't have to be the way that they are and um, we can make things better we have been making things better in a lot of ways 
I think in the last hundred years, with like eradicating a lot of poverty and hunger, and but there's still a long way to go, and still a lot of work to be done. Definitely. Um, unless there's anything else you want to add, I think we've covered nearly everything there. Yeah, I think that that's probably it. I mean, my my main thing is just like keep it light as well for yourself, especially if you're just getting involved with climate stuff. Um, honestly, like we have to be kind to ourselves first before we can be kind to others. So I think that definitely don't try to put it on your own shoulders. There's a lot of people who are, you know, who, who care as well and that will be able to, to share that weight. And um, don't be afraid to fail as well. Like I've been trying to set up events and they failed and it didn't work out. Or I tried to set up something as like, this is, I can't do this anymore. I don't have enough time. So and that, you know, it's, it's fine to fail and um, just trying out things is great. There's a lot of groups that you can get involved in. There's a lot of friends that you can make. So I think that's important to just see that as well. And, yeah. Definitely. Thank you so, so much, Edwin. And on behalf of me and the rest of Ireland, really, really thank you and everyone else and friends of the Irish environment for taking this case on. And I really, really hope we get the result that we need on the 22nd of June. Best of luck. Everything is crossed. Fingers and toes will be crossed. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. This was an honor and uh, great stuff. All right, that there was Edwin. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you would like to sign the petition, please do. The link is in the bio. And of course, please do share this episode as well, as well as sharing the petition. There are a lot of people who learn in different ways. I can't read that many articles before my brain goes fuzzy, but I can listen to a lot of podcasts. So this is maybe a useful way to reach some people about this case that otherwise the information would be going over their head because that's what would happen to me anyway. So please, please share the petition around, share the information about this case because the more people that know it's happening, the better and as always open up dialogue with your family and friends check out the website bookofleespodcast.com if you have any questions mind yourselves and again i'm sending love to everyone being involved with the black lives matter protests and i'm standing in solidarity with you mind yourselves guys and i will talk to you soon